Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of the Red Light Hockey Podcast. And today we are joined by our regular crew. We got Paul in the blue corner. We got Owen in the red corner. And we got Liam in the red, white, and blue corner. Go Habs, go. America. <laughs> How you boys doing this week? How you guys doing? It's been it's been two weeks. Uh, I had some work things going on last week. We couldn't record. Owen was busy doing church I, things. He was going had to church. Family stuff. He was uh, praising Jesus. He found the Lord last week. You know, yeah. Paul. Uh, Paul was you know polishing things last week too. I was on our it, Twitter account. Exactly. It was busy. You know. So sorry, everybody. We, we missed a week of episodes, but you know what? That means extra content for you guys this week. We got a we got an interview lined up with Lawson McDonald coming on this week. It's gonna be a, it was a great interview, a lot of insight. He was Brock Weston's roommate in uh, in university. He is a great guy, good uh, good old Ontario boy, good hockey player. Like Don Cherry says, good good Ontario boy, good Ontario boy. Um, it's poppy season in Canada. It's for Remembrance Remembrance Day is coming up. Uh, so if you're Canadian, please go out and get your poppies on. Go buy your poppies. Or if you uh, have an allergy to poppies, like some people say they do, just to, you know, go go <laughs> go put the money in the uh, in the poppy bin. The money goes to a good cause. It helps with uh, veterans and mental health and and homeless veterans and goes towards the legion. There's a lot a lot of good causes. Um, uh, they're not a sponsor. I'm just I'm an advocate for it. You know, so yeah. You know, get your poppies. Go support support the veterans, support the troops. Hurrah! How are we doing this week, boys? How are you, Paul? Pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. Did you miss me? No. No. Oh my god. So good. <laughs> well, anyway, how how are you, Owen? <laughs> I'm good. I'm I'm buzzing today. You know, awesome, it's, awesome. it's a Sunday. Get to talk some hockey. You know, wasn't too much going on, but I'm still, still getting, getting it on for the podcast here. Awesome. Did you miss me? Always. Good. Good. And also just, uh, at the time of recording, the Bills are playing the Patriots and the Bills are beating the Patriots. Patriots suck. Go Bills. 14-6 right now for the Bills. Bills Mafia. <laughs> Trying to make some kind of chant. I don't know what that was. Uh, all right, let's go. Hockey news. Yay. The biggest news right now is uh, Arizona. Uh, they had a prospect they drafted. He had some things, he had some allegations about bullying. I'm not going to say his name because I believe if you're bullying that harshly, you don't even deserve to have your name said. So, this individual was bullying a uh, disabled, uh, disabled person. Uh, for the race and um, was being extremely rude about it. He has since lost his scholarship at North Dakota State University and um, has been released completely by the Arizona Coyotes. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Owen? Um, uh, I mean, just, you know, it's, it's what's got to happen in today's world you know we've got to there's got to be repercussions for treating people poorly like that um you know based on just you know something people can't control it's not you know 
a decision somebody made. It's not like they decided to be that way. So why would you, you know, decide to go act that way towards another person? And especially when you're supposed to be a role model coming into the NHL as a draft pick, you know, that goes along with being a good guy in the locker room. So, you know, it's something that's just, I, I feel anyways, is it's got to be, there's got to be repercussions like that. Uh, yeah, I agree. It should. Yeah, I think the right steps were taken. Actually, the right step would have been not to draft him at all. But uh, I, I think uh, what what they wanted to originally do. Um, sorry to cut you off there. I think good. like their, their statement was like because he this the incident did happen while he was in grade eight. Um, they were not aware that of the gravity of the situation, but they were hoping that he could come out and like do because I think. They assumed that he apologized to the individual as well because he did send an apology to every team, but he didn't send it to the individual. Um, and I think what their intent was with that at before at the time of the draft was they were, they were drafting him in attempts to show that you can change. And they were, I got I think they were hoping that he'd come back as like a, a totally different person. You know, I'm I'm better. I'm a better human being now. I I realize my wrongs, but um, the fact of the matter is he he actually didn't apologize to the individual he bullied. He, it was a court mandated apology that was the most generic thing anybody has ever wrote. Yeah, and it was never like he, he never really showed remorse. Oh, the bills just tied it up. Uh, sorry, yeah, he, he never he never showed remorse. Um, so yeah, no, I don't. There was no accountability, there was no responsibility of it, there was no, yeah, he, he deserves to get his everything taken away from him like he has yeah if, if, he's now, gonna play, if he's gonna play hockey anywhere i could see him going to the khl yeah the there's KHL. already teams interested say so, yeah, i feel like the khl likes to take like scumbag players it's the russian way but it's yeah you can't just do that stuff and expect generic to pass for your actions exactly it, you got to be sincere about it. Even if he comes out now and apologizes, it's not going to be – people are going to look at it twice and say, was he sincere or was he just trying to save his own skin? Exactly. Now, that's enough talking about that. I, I don't want it to be too negative. Um, let's go on other news. Uh, well, not, really, not really news, but lack of news. Uh, Mike Hoffman has yet to sign anywhere. Where do you guys think he's going to go? The way this offseason go- has gone, I honestly, it's a crapshoot. He's going to Detroit. <laughs> uh, you heard it here first. He's going I to could Detroit. See that. One year, one year, eight million deal. I could see that. I could see Buffalo. Yeah. Actually, no. They, they have enough. I think now with Taylor Hall and Skinner. They have enough score for us, guys. They need need another passer. I think playing that second Plus, line. Buffalo has no money. I thought yeah, they money. had about ten mil left. No. No, three point yeah. four. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pull this up right now. Wait up. Buffalo Sabers has eh, three point yeah, they could they could sign somebody cheap for a one year deal. Oh, maybe I was thinking of the numbers prior to them signing Hall. 
Or I think you're thinking prior to them signing Reinhardt. They did they did just sign Reinhardt to a little oh, ticket. Yeah, it might have been and that. And Olmark. Yeah, and Olmark. Yeah, so I know I, I uh, New Jersey seems to be the lowest team right now as far as cap space. I, I'd love I'd love to see him, obviously, in a Devils uniform as a Devils fan. Um, having a scorer next to Hughes and Heesher, um, that'd be huge. But also, do you know who? I just don't has, think. You know, surprising has a lot of cap space. New York Columbus. Rangers. The Rangers. Yeah. Even but, with that Truba contract. Yeah, they they still have ten point nine. But they still have to re-sign Strom, Lemieux. No, Lemieux they got to sign. What? Oh, they just um, they uh, qualified him. Never mind. Yeah. I can see Lemieux taking taking like a a two-year deal. Florida's Um, going back to him again, to Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think they have too much money left, do they? 11.5. 11.6. 11.6. Well, okay. I'm looking at exact numbers. You're rounding up. Well, 11.56, <laughs> 11. that, that rounds up to 11.6, you know? You always... You know. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Math, math guy Liam over here. <laughs> oh, also, um, happy Halloween to our listeners. Yeah. Um, Ottawa, I think, is going to be a team that's going to surprise a lot of people this year now. Uh, but they, they did just pick up a 30 goal score. Alex Galchenyuk. Yeah. He's a, he is a, a 30 goal score. Consistently, yeah. I'd say 20 to 25, but he <laughs> could get 30. He got 30 once. Yeah, but. And he got 29 the year before that. And uh, you know, I think Alchenyuk is a good addition to Ottawa. He's gonna—they're gonna let him. I think the way DJ Brown coaches, they're gonna let him fly. He's gonna be like the high-flying type player, you know, like kind of. Plus, he's a body that makes it um, so that they don't have to rush any prospects. Exactly. Sure. I see the I see the top <laughs> line now being Connor Brown, Galchenyuk, and Tuchuk on the wing. Second line, Turney, Colin White, and Stutzel on the wing. Or put Stutzel Stutzel's not even signed yet, which I'm surprised about that. He signed, I thought. No? No, he's not mm-hmm. signed yet. I think right now... Byfield and Lafreniere signed. I think they're holding off on signing him because of the uh, injury. Yeah. Yeah. Then, I, I well, think it's a smart idea for them to let him play another season over in Germany. Yeah, I mean, it's whatever. I think Ottawa's going to be teamed. They're not going to be good, but they're going to be hard to get wins against. Yeah, I could see them being like a, what was it, 20, was it 2016 Devils? Or 2018? 2018 Devils, where they, you know, just kind of squeak into the playoffs and then don't really go much further. The thing with Ottawa, I find every time they make it in the playoffs, they seem to go far. Yeah. They but... need another defenseman. They're Even one of those like teams... a uh, Sammy uh, Vatnin. They're one of those teams that, like, 
Is he a free agent or did he re-sign over in uh, Carolina? No, he's Uh, free agent. In Ottawa, players I'm looking to make a big jump or make a big impact, make the next step is going to be Lassie Thompson. I think he's going to to jump in the league and make a big impact. I don't know what this thing is in my hand. Sorry. (laughs) I know. I think Lassie Thompson is going to make a big jump to the league and – because he's a big guy. He's he's six foot six. He's only nineteen. He's he's going to be a big dude to play against. So you know, I think Ottawa is going to be a team to watch. As much as I hate saying that, I think uh, the teams that are because I think they were saying their their plan is to have a Canadian division, Eastern division, Central division, and Western division. And then, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. Out of, I think out of the Canadian I think out of the Canadian division, the teams that make the playoffs, because again I think are going to be um, Montreal, Vancouver, Calgary, or Montreal, Vancouver, and uh, and Edmonton. No Toronto. I don't. I think they choke. I think they'll make it in. I don't, I don't know. know if they'll do uh, anything after that, but I think like with this new, like with the new, like the way they're doing the divisions now, like how it's it's going to be Canadian only division. I I see Toronto maybe getting a wild card, but depending which, so like, depending if they're considered the West or the East, you know what I mean. Yeah, the, I mean, I'd see, the... I could see it being, um, you know, like in no particular order, Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Calgary, or switch out Winnipeg with Montreal, one of those two teams. I don't think Winnipeg makes it this year. They've lost too many uh, key parts. I'm not sure about their defense still. I like yeah. a lot of the guys on there. It's just I'm yeah, that's and the goaltending's obviously amazing, but mm-hmm. but they they don't have any defense. That's why I don't think Winnipeg makes it far. Um, but yeah, no, I that's my my take on that whole situation. Uh, and in the, the American teams, I don't nobody knows really who's going to be in what division yet, so. We can't really predict anything else yet, except for the Canadian division. Unfortunately, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they divide the teams. Because yeah, if you look at like a map of the U.S. and then where the teams are located, the Northeast is really packed in, very close together, and then the rest of the country is very, very spread out. Yeah, like I'm thinking they might do a California plus desert teams bubble. Central and then like the Northeast. Yeah, and I could see them grouping in like Columbus and Detroit into that Central. Yeah, that's what I mean. So like Northeast, I'm thinking like all the New York, the the tri-state area teams, obviously. Boston, Boston, um, Buffalo. But yeah, well, I mean, Buffalo, tri- Buffalo, I'd say is borderline Central versus. Whatever the other one would be, yeah. In Buffalo, I could even you is might they're call close me ins- enough to Detroit. 
Yes, and also I could see them even even if they really wanted to. Making Buffalo play in Niagara Falls, Canada. Because they're, like, they're not going to have fans in attendance anyway. Because Cuomo won't, won't let them. Because they are still in New York State. Mm-hmm. I could see them putting them in... Uh, Don't get them, me started. <laughs> I could see them requesting to put put them in, in the, on the Canadian side. Just for this year. And have them play in the Canadian division. I don't know. Uh, I think that would be a hard one to sell if they try that. Yeah, because there's the border crossing and all of that. That's what I mean. I can see them just putting them. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, never mind. Maybe 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 make them go play in Pennsylvania. I'm not allowed to go visit Pennsylvania right now. Are you allowed to go anywhere? Um, pretty much everywhere north and east of New York, except for Massachusetts right now. And Pennsylvania. Yeah, can't go south, but everywhere north and east besides Mass. Ooh, you can go to Vermont. Yep, but Vermont doesn't mm-hmm. let us in. I'm allowed to go there, but Vermont won't let me go there. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That's good. Anyway, uh, hopefully they get a vaccine soon. U.S. election is coming up. There's a, there's a betting app on, on, uh, on my I keep seeing. You can go bet, bet your, you think it's going to win. You know, make some money if you win. If you lose, well, that sucks. Gamble on the election. So why not? For all you degenerate gamblers out there, gotta get your fix in. Gambling um, is fun. I agree. <laughs> uh, in other news, Chicago is a dumpster fire still. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm shocked. Uh, we haven't heard anybody moved out of there yet. Yeah, we wait out on that. I think they're maybe they're trying to sign somebody to make them very happy. Like, hey, we'll sign somebody good. We're sorry. There's nobody left that's going to appease that, I don't think. Yeah. Hoffman? Hoffman? Uh, I don't think that's enough. They'll sign where Hoffman would you, to play. Where would you place him in that lineup, even if they were to sign him? As a goalie. Eh, that's that's what they need, and the only two out there really is um, Anderson and uh, Jimmy I mean, Howard. Anderson is from Chicago. Anderson's not horrible. Yeah, I mean, and he's from Chicago. I mean, that'd be kind of cool yeah. for him. You know, go play for your hometown team. But then again, who knows? Chicago's a big question mark. Um, there isn't other than that, there hasn't been much news in the league right now. No. Anything in particular you guys want to talk about before we kick it over to the, to the Lawson McDonald interview? Uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. It's been a pretty quiet week, two weeks. Awesome. Well, we're going to kick over now to the Lawson McDonald interview. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like, like to welcome Lawson McDonald to the Red Light Hockey Podcast. He played for six years in the CCHL. He played for four years in the NCAA at Marion University. He was 
pretty good player most of his career. I mean, point line looks pretty good. Almost like a pretty stud on the ice. Ladies and gentlemen, Lawson McDonald, welcome to the Red Light Hockey Podcast. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks for coming on. Um, first of all, first of all, we're going to talk about Cornwall. Uh, so you first came in the league at, in 2010-2011. You played three games. Uh, in those three games, you recorded one goal. I'm assuming that was kind of like that not, – obviously not football. It was like a triple-A kind of jumping junior A type thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, in, the, in the CCHL, I know it, it varies – uh, across the leagues in Canada, but in the CCHL, uh, as the, each team can protect two players in their minor midget year. Um, so I was protected by my hometown team, Cornwall. Um, and so that's prior to the OHL draft and, and all that, uh, and the CCHL draft. And so once my AAA season finished, um, I was able to play up to five games uh, in the in, with the Colts, and they were one of the top teams in Canada that year. So I didn't play in the playoffs or anything like that. But I played three games and as a 15 year old, so that was pretty neat. And and uh, ended up scoring uh, in, in up in Hawkesbury in that first game. So that was that was a neat Ooh, against the Hawks. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's, <laughs> and you know you seem to be familiar with it. It's a pretty dark dungeon of a building there, and uh, playing out playing against what seemed like 30 year olds at the time. I mean, they were only 18, 19, 20. It was, uh, it was neat. So. Uh, in your time in, in junior league, what would you say your biggest rival or your, or the hardest games you were playing against would, would have been? Uh, that's a good question. We, uh, especially early on, uh, we were, we had some really strong teams. Uh, Pembroke to start, uh, they were dominant. So, uh, Going in, so my 15-year-old year, they beat us in the finals. Um, so, I mean, I wasn't really fully a part of the team, but I uh, went on the run with them. And uh, so they won. That was the end of their five-year reign. And uh, other teams, so obviously Pembroke throughout the years, uh, uh, but Brockville was another rival of ours. They were on the 401 with us, so it was Battle of 401. And, uh, which is a highway in Ontario for any of us who don't know that. Um, uh, anyway, so they were always really strong. And, and then Carlton Place. Um, I don't know if any listeners uh, follow junior hockey, but the Carlton Place have been dominant, one of the top teams in Canada for many years, the last several years. So they they were uh, uh, another rival of ours. So those three teams in general, I'd say, yeah. Awesome. And then um, looking at your stats, it's uh, on 2014-2015, you went on a pretty good run in the playoffs, it seems, at least games played-wise for you. Um, and then in that year, I was looking on your overall roster. Uh, your goalie, Denny Dubelstein, or Dubl I'm probably butchering his Dubelstein, last name. Yeah. Dubelstein, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, you did so, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm French. <laughs> um, no, no, it's all good. I look at his stats. It looked like he had outstanding stats. So – like well, what kind of a what kind of goalie would you say he was? Was he more like a stand-up goalie, or uh, like, or is he more of like a hybrid, or is he kind of aggressive? Like, what was the uh, secret for that year, or just kind he of got was? Uh, he was no, yeah, he was a very good goalie. He he, uh, I'll, I'll get into Denny in a in a second, but actually, uh, especially the first 
number of years, my third, first three or four years with the team, we had incredible goalies. Um, uh, uh, Carnu Vieras was one. Um, Piccolino. Piccolino was the goalie who brought us to our championship in 2012-2013. Uh, there was a couple other guys, all went D1 or and are still playing. And so we had some really good goaltending. And then the year we hosted the Fred Page Cup, which is um, the host of the winner of the CCHL Quebec uh, League and the Maritimes. Uh, we hosted that my 19-year-old year. And so Denny was our goalie that year. And yeah, he was very good. He was, um, I would say, if I had to categorize him, uh, kind of a hybrid, I guess. He, he had really good positioning, um, but he was also athletic too. I think that's what enabled him to, uh, you know, to, to have such a great year. And I, I think our team in front of him uh, helped, I mean, helped out, I guess. He needed to have a good team. So, uh, but yeah, no, he was very good. Yeah. And, and also, just for listeners, um, your style of play, would you consider yourself more of like a, a two-way player or a power forward or same maker? Yeah, or yeah, but more of between a, a – a, definitely a 200-foot guy, um, uh, strong in the face-offs, but, and more of a playmaker. So I was a centerman, um, and so I was always, uh, you know, <laughs> probably – yeah, the, the point totals in my career probably don't um, reflect the amount of opportunities that, you know, I, I typically could create. Uh, some of that's my own fault <laughs> for not being able to score. Uh, was never a goal scorer, but definitely a playmaker and, and kind of that reliable 200-foot uh, guy, I think, yeah. Yeah, because like I'm also looking at your stats too. Your uh, penalty minutes are very low compared. We just did another interview yeah. with a gentleman named Sean Kite. He played uh, in the junior B, but for Pembroke's affiliate. Um, okay. He was averaging something like 60 penalty minutes a season. And I'm seeing your average is a lot lower. You seem to be around six penalty minutes a season. So yeah. <laughs> not, exactly a, not exactly a tough guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm guessing uh, – also, I'm, I'm assuming the, the junior A league was a lot less uh, gritty and a lot less like two-minute minors and nonsense going mm-hmm. on or – yeah, uh, yeah. I kind of was that era that began, like, kind of started with there being less and less fighting. Um, when I came in, um, there was more fighting. Uh, there was, you know, and maybe that was just my my younger self. And it, it seemed like everyone there was more physical physicality and 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 fighting, and guys just seemed more aggressive. But by the end, like there was almost hardly any, which is it's reflective of the NHL now and mm-hmm. hockey kind of across the board, um, mm-hmm. and and so I, I would say that, and and maybe I'm a part of that generation. I I don't know. It's, it's tough to say, but um, no, I was definitely never, you know, I pride of myself on I'm playing hard, playing tough, but and uh, playing within playing within the rules, I guess. Uh, that's not to say I wouldn't defend myself or my teammates, but um, no, I uh, I definitely stayed out of the box for sure. Yeah, I mean it's a good thing too because I'm sure coaches don't really uh, enjoy having your players in the box for the whole game, right? Especially a, a key player that can is responsible in his own end. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now transitioning over to uh, college, you went to Marion University with uh, Brock Weston, who we just did an interview with as well. Um, 
So when picking universities and everything, um, how'd you, how'd you end up at Marion university? Uh, so I, uh, you know, playing, playing, uh, you know, for the Colts and CCH junior A in general, there's always, uh, you know, there's always scouts watching and, and especially early on a lot of division one attention. Um, and so, you know, the goal was always to go division one, which it is for most, most hockey players playing, don't go in that route. And, um, it, so it was for me as well. Um, and, and so I had some, uh, you know, spoke to teams, division one schools and, and here and there. And, uh, but I unfortunately had some injuries and some other issues in my, my game, I guess. And so by the time I got to 20, that's when all the division three schools really start to, uh, start to look at you and, uh, because they know it's your last year and they, if you want to progress, that's typically the route. So uh, my 20 year old year, um, you know, went on some recruiting trips in different schools and, and uh, I hadn't really made up my mind on what, where I wanted to go. And, and then it was my final game in Cornwall. We didn't make the playoffs. Um, and that night uh, I got a friend's house and got a call from, uh, uh, you know, guy named Lincoln Nguyen and I think Brock mentioned uh, him in the last and I, I listened to your interview by the way it was very good oh. um, but uh, so I got a call from this Lincoln out in Wisconsin and I don't I didn't even really place that <laughs> geographically on where that is but they were they had never actually seen me play they just heard from some other division one scouts that that you know that maybe they should talk to me and and so they flew me out um, and uh, took pretty good care. And then recruiting trip. And anyway, I just ended up falling in love with Marion. Uh, the, the group of guys uh, who were there uh, were really, really, it just, it felt like a good place to be. And, um, and it was one of the best decisions I've made uh, going to Marion. So, uh, awesome. you know, so yeah, that's how I ended up there. Awesome. Yeah. Cause like, um, I know Brock also mentioned it too. Uh, the recruiting trips are definitely not Div One recruiting trips um, in Div Three, but they're still still a pretty cool experience. I mean, I'm sure every player who played at high level hockey is pretty must dream about a level of that at some point in their life. Yeah, um, well, so it's it's kind of uh, just sorry, but it's kind of funny because I heard Brock say that, and and uh, and I you know no shot at Brock or anything like that. He'd probably laugh if he hears this, but I, and not necessarily deservingly, but Marion kind of produced a, a pretty amazing recruiting trip for, for myself. And I went with another teammate of mine at the time, and um, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but it was definitely, it was closer to division one style, I, I think. <laughs> uh, and, it, <laughs> and it helped me, it helped, uh, helped get me there. So uh, oh, it, was lot, it was lots of fun. Yeah. Um, and then when you went to Marion, um, how does that work for tuition and all that stuff? Just again, for our listeners who don't really know how the Div 3 systems work, um, like how does the tuition, do they cover your full tuition or like what's the rules for them versus like a Div 1 scholarship? Uh, yeah, so uh, the way it works and uh, so obviously there's no Division 2 in hockey. So uh, and all the, the the only difference between Division One, Two, and Three in any college sport is the amount of funding and the size of the school. Well, size of the school is one thing, but the funding. So Division One, they can hand out, 
uh, you know, let's say for a hockey team, they can hand out whatever, 20 full scholarships and then and divide the money elsewhere. And then in division two, they can give a few full scholarships and then divide the money elsewhere. And division three, there's just no, there's no full scholarships period. Um, so each school can uh, offer different variations of support, uh, academic scholarships, um, you know, they, schools can get away or around that uh, barrier different ways. Um, so some schools can offer no support and, and you're paying full pop. Uh, luckily uh, at Berrien, they, they offered a lot of academic support. So, um, uh, so that was really nice. Um, so no, but no, not uh, division three, there's no uh, athletic scholarships available. So that's kind of the, the uh, killer, but, um, but still they make it affordable, uh, especially for Canadians going down to the U S uh, yes. the, the dollar. Um, they, they, uh, they make it affordable for the most part. So yeah, I was going to ask, so I was going to say like U S colleges are generally more expensive than Canadian ones or universities, I guess. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, for sure. So. Um, now, do you have any coaches in your career that, that really inspired you to be a, a better person overall who really was a, a big role model for you, uh, either in college or in junior, or even in, in minor hockey before you went to junior? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, I definitely had some really good coaches. Um, I can think of one, uh, my I, my minor, my two Bantam, yes, my minor Bantam and major Bantam years uh I coaches Joe Rathwell uh he was actually uh in the hockey Canada system I, I kind of forget what his role is there or what he did but I know he was a part of hockey Canada and uh uh he was an amazing coach he uh he led us uh to our triple a finals I guess it doesn't really matter what that is but uh and he he just really stressed player development and that was always an area uh, and especially skating and especially nowadays, like he was kind of ahead of the curve of understanding where the game was heading, um, which is all skating. And, uh, and that was a, a weaker point of mine. I, I typically, you know, growing up and even to this day, uh, you know, I, I, I had the, the hockey smarts and the skills, um, you know, but the skating was always something I had to work at. Um, and those two years, I really took a step forward uh, in, in that regard. And, and he just had fun ways of um, mixing in power skating and different, you know, into practice. So you didn't even think you were skating uh, like, suicides or anything but he had a, a really you know he was just a creative uh and, and a really good coach and uh and i had okay. good coaches in in college and, and junior as well um uh but i that guy that's stood out mm -hmm. uh, that coach there yeah awesome yeah so it wasn't like uh he wasn't the type of coach just be like okay bike skate <laughs> okay we're doing yes. the Michigan mile <laughs> yes and i i've done I've, I've done too many of those. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now just back to video college time. Um, Brock Weston, we did his interview last week. He had a, he has a really inspirational story about him coming out and everything like that. 
you were his roommate uh, through, was it all the whole time in college or just that year? So, or the, the whole time. So uh, we were put together our freshman year. So our first year um, and we had, we, so we had a couple different roommates throughout, but we were constant. We were four years together. Yeah. Okay. So we had, he told the, his, his story about him punching the wall um, and everything. And you, he, he was very vocal in that you were a big support for him and you helped him a lot through everything. So, and that's also why we kind of wanted to get you on just to kind of see how, what you saw from your side of point of view of everything. Um, and also you could hope, maybe give some advice if you're comfortable doing so. Uh, for people who are in your situation to support their friends and how people can support their friends kind of like what you did for Brock without who aren't really sure of how they can support people in any way in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, first I'd just like to say, I think this is great that, uh, you know, you, you want to touch on this topic because it, it's something that not a lot of people do and I didn't understand or, or, you know, I didn't think I would know how to, to handle that type of situation and um and so no i i'd love to talk about it so uh yeah no brock is pretty he's one of the bravest uh you know people i've ever met um you know because it's not it's, it's such a tough situation and um uh you know he uh so yes yeah, he, he mentioned he he came out to me um uh at the end of our second year he came out to me so i knew that um, and and I can remember him when he told me he the biggest thing his biggest worry was that I you know that our friendship wouldn't be the same right and uh, and and my biggest thing was I needed to have him understand that it wouldn't nothing would change right that and that's that's ultimately I guess if you're talking about how to support someone like that is is you know you know remind them that nothing will change right you're I don't like, I didn't like Brock. I wasn't friends with Brock because of his sexual orientation. Like I didn't, you know, I like Brock because he was a great guy. He's my friend and all the qualities of who he is, not that. So that was, uh, was a pretty cool moment. And then, but then the trouble started, right? Because then the rumor started on, and, and it was a small, uh, small school in Wisconsin and the hockey team was kind of the, the biggest show on campus and and uh and so rumors started going through campus and 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 uh and brock kind of felt like he was uh, kind of being watched in, in a sense and uh and uh what brock didn't mention is he was student president in his final year and, and very involved in school and 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 so he you know is a very popular guy and but it's kind of in the center of of the the universe, I guess, and at on campus and stuff. So, huh. uh, his mental health started dwindle a little bit there, and, and uh, yeah, I just you know, as a friend, and, and kind of supported supported him, and uh, and uh, and it kind of yeah, it, you know what, it, it it was a pretty pretty emotional time those for that about a year there, and uh, but he showed tremendous courage and and uh, and eventually yes, he he mentioned the kind of where it all came to a head and, and, uh, you know, and then I, you know, I, yeah, I, I helped facilitate the next steps and, and, uh, 
but it, it was it was mostly Brock, right? And and he sh- it's it's it was his courage and and, uh, and all that to get through. But no, I was glad. It was a it was an amazing experience for me, right? Because, um, like like I said, you know, you know, I I had never helped someone through that type of scenario, and and for anyone who if they do have a friend who you know it basically just it's like helping anyone you know right you just you you uh you find ways to to support them and and uh so no anyway i'm dragging on here but it was it was an amazing experience and um uh i'm very proud of them and uh yeah so yeah awesome thank you thank you for giving us your input on that whole thing or on that whole side of the story because it's like yeah like uh I find it's good to hear it from like multiple points of views to like that way people can really grasp everything and understand how it all went down. Um, and just jumping back into the hockey world of things. At Mar- when you're at Marion, um, I believe you were the captain your final year. Yeah. So h- yep. how did you guys uh, pick your captaincy? Was it by a vote in a hat or was it the coach that kind of just like came up to you one day, but, like, here you go, son, you get to see I was picturing, yeah. of course, being like an old, an old man or something like that. But yeah, so like, how do you guys pick your uh, captains? Uh, so it, it kind of uh, varied a little bit over the years. Um, my the first first year, it seemed like they're kind of a bit predetermined, uh, and then the years two and three, they were just voted like the the uh, the coaches pick them I guess the I guess the team players had some input but it was mostly the coaches and then our my the final year the year I was selected as as uh one of the captains um it was kind of a mixture of both the players voted on who they thought and the coaches actually conducted some interviews for players who uh you know wished to or believed they could be one of the captains we so we did some interviews which was a pretty neat idea actually um uh you know some people kind of thought it was a bit excessive like you typically kind of know who you want but i actually i appreciated the experience because that's the real world right you're gonna do interviews and you're gonna have to explain you know why you are the right fit and so that was nice uh, so yeah that's what happened um and i was very uh very privileged and honored to be selected to one of the captains and yeah it was, it was a neat experience it, you know it uh, took on a lot of I was actually you know <laughs> up in my own tires here but I was selected as uh, one of the captains my final year in, in Cornwall as well um, and so it, I, I bring that up just to say it was it was a very different experience being a captain in junior compared to college uh, just because in junior you're you're kind of the captain of the hockey team, but in college, you're kind of, you're not only the captain of the hockey team in terms of the, you know, the play on ice, but you're kind of a, you know, you're kind of a manager of the whole thing, right? Because we have right. meetings and, and uh, workouts that I'm running and, and uh, we're on the bus and we're in hotels and we're, we have classes and, and organizing and managing and, and egos. And, and so it was kind of a more so kind of like whole, the dad of the team, basically. Well, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
yeah so it, it uh but it, it you know it, uh, it prepared me for what's to come and you know after hockey you know a little bit so no i enjoyed awesome. the experience awesome and i know you mentioned you are an ottawa senators fan yeah um so we're just gonna ask them nhl stuff you know some lighthearted nhl things first question is what do you think of this uh stutzley stutzel i hope i'm pronouncing his name properly yeah this this kid they picked up from germany i mean from the eye test, in my opinion, the kid looks like an absolute stud. He looks like he's going to be the real deal. Uh, what, what do you think of, about him? Uh, I, you know what? It, I, I sound like a Homer Sens fan, but I, I couldn't agree more, actually. I, uh, at first, I thought I was really hoping for Byfield. Um, well, because Lafayette was never going to fall to three. But only because I thought Ottawa needed a centerman. Um, mm-hmm. But this Stutzler, which is again, I think I'm saying it right. Too. <laughs> um, I, you know, watching him at the World Juniors and then seeing tape on him, uh, yeah, he looks, he looks like a stud. So, wow. no, I'm pretty excited. And you know, and other news for Ottawa there. I was a little worried. <laughs> you know, I mean, the last couple of years have been pretty tough. I mean, so, with with Melnick, uh, you never know either. Yes, exactly. But no, I literally like the Murray deal and, and they just signed them. Um, and you know what? He, you know, who knows with goaltenders in general uh, yeah. and he's, but signing a, a two-time Stanley Cup winner, yeah, who's young still, room to grow. And uh, so I'm excited about that. Uh, you know, Shabbat and Kachak and now the Stutzma and uh, this, uh, you know, we have, a, we have, Oh, I was gonna say this other kid they drafted two uh, fifth overall uh, Sanderson. Uh, apparently he's yes. gonna be he's gonna be playing with Shabbat, Hopefully, um, yeah. you played the college game, so you might know a bit better than uh, uh, most of us did because we cover more juniors than we do the OHL side than we do the college side. Mm-hmm. Our other host, who's who's American, he usually talks more about the NCAA. Yeah, I forget which school he played for, but he played Div three as well. But um, yeah, so what do you think of? This guy, this this uh, Sanderson guy is like is the game a lot harder in the in Div One NCAA? Do you think than this in juniors? Like as far as defensively, or is it like what's the difference? The biggest difference do you think in the way the game is played? Like apples to apples. Uh, that's a good question. I, uh, I, I yeah, I think the the game is played a little differently in general. I, I think it. Uh, and part of it is they only, you only play like 30 some games. Um, and so every single game is a war. Um, and I didn't play division one, but I did play division three, which is the same, uh, you know, idea of you only play, you know, twice a week and it's all out war, right. For the, for those games. And, um, and so, yeah, there's t- it's typically a little more low scoring, um, kind of grind it. And there's, there's no f- fighting or anything like that. So games can get uh, physical. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think the game, how it's different, uh, I think they're becoming more and more similar. Uh, I think in 10 years ago, you know, the CHL – was you know uh just a, a lot better in general but the uh the 
NCAA game is, is uh, taking huge strides and a lot more talent is going that way. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you see guys uh, coming right out of the NCAA, like every year there's guys who um, they're, you know, second, third year, fourth year guys undrafted or whatever, or late draft picks and they're signing with, uh, um, with NHL teams. Like I've had many teammates in, in, in Cornwall and whatever who, uh, who've kind of gone that route. And so, no, yeah, it's, um, yeah, the NCAA is definitely a really good game. Uh, and, uh, so if, I don't know if you're with Sanderson, but did he play college or did, I thought he was a national development team, but either way, I, he looks like a, a stud. Um, I believe he's national development team, but he's, he was, uh, committed to going to, um, Wisconsin. UND. Oh, UND. Sorry. Yeah. yeah so. UND. Okay. So he'll, he'll, he'll play there then. Okay. Unless uh, uh, Ottawa decides they want him in the NHL right away. Which, true. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. at the high pick, you never know. Yeah. Well, and I think it was a bit of a surprise eh, that Ottawa took him. Um, yeah. I was, I was expecting him to take Drysdale to be honest, but yeah. Yeah. But you know what? It, it, I, I have to say Ottawa hasn't done very much very well in the recent years, but one thing they've always done well is draft. Yes. Um, uh, and so, you know, I, I, I like it, you know, and, and who knows, it, 10 years from now, I might go, that was the worst pick or it was the greatest pick, but they were, they got a, a you know, the best player available at three. And then with their fifth pick, I think they got something they needed, yeah. right? Which is a steady two-way, really mobile defenseman who can play with Shabbat. Um, yeah. Which, like, and now they have, Sanderson, Shabbat, Brandstrom, um, like they have a pretty deep decor to build around. Um, this Lassie Thompson kid. Lassie Thompson, thank you. Yeah. So, you know, will they be able to? Will everyone progress the way they should? And then can they sign them all? Kind of like, well, will Melnick pay pay up? But also, <laughs> uh, yeah. But like, look at the Leafs, right? And look at different teams like that, like. If everyone, if if everyone asks for what they're worth, if you can't sign everyone, right? right? Like if you look at the teams who have perennial, whatever, been really good <laughs> a lot of years, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Boston, all these teams, their best players take less, right? right? Um, to make room for other players. Like Cindy Crosby shouldn't be uh, eight, you know, I think he's making 8.7, but his cap hit is like, under that which is ridiculous yeah like yeah right like he yeah. i mean okay he maybe he, you know mcdavid and and mckinnon maybe you could argue are a bit ahead of him but like that's ridiculous but that speaks to what crosby wanted right he, right and like well mckinnon's another example of a player who took a discount to win like mckinnon's his cap is only six million dollars right which is insane or again if you look at ottawa I think it's really good. Shabbat, he took he he should be worth more than eight million dollars a year, and that's all he took, which I think is going to set a really good example for the future for other players now. Because like, mm-hmm. like oh shit, this guy he's like the best player on the team. And he's only getting paid this much, so I don't think I think it's a good example for Ottawa. So hopefully it does work out. Because I, as much as I I don't cheer for Ottawa because I'm a Habs fan, I do want to see them do good. Um, oh, it's it's you know it's. 
I, I don't, I'm not a fan of the Habs or the Leafs, but it's more exciting when they're good, right? Like, exactly. Especially when they, I, I just want a Canadian team to, I want a Canadian team to win the cup. Sorry to our American listeners. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's um, been so long, right? And Yeah. Last time it was the Habs. Not a big deal. <laughs> Throw it in there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm 93 saying, was a good year, though. I, I will say it. As somebody born in that year, I will say it was a good year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no. So, yeah, I think I think the, um, the future looks good in Ottawa. And I just wanted to get your opinion on that stuff, too, because I know you, well, you're saying you're an Ottawa fan, so mm-hmm. that's it. And um, last question. Uh, was there any, like, really big jokesters on any of your teams that you remember? Like, any – like, buddy, who like to pull, play a lot of pranks, or was that more you? <laughs> I, I actually, I, I'm going to go ahead and off a limb and say it wasn't you, because, like, based off so far the interview, you seem a lot more like the, the leader, like the serious guy, kind of like the, <laughs> the, the John Tavares type. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 it was a hybrid, I guess, so somewhere in the middle. <laughs> um, you know, I wasn't uh, Captain Serious, I wasn't Jonathan Taves, but, uh, but no, yeah, I, I no, I wasn't the, you know, the team prankster. Prankster, no, uh, no, definitely. I mean, that's the, the beautiful thing about, uh, you know, I, I, you know, fortunate to play on different sport teams, but it seems the hockey room is is a unique, uh, is a yeah. unique room, and and uh, so over the years, uh, different guys coming in and out. Uh, so no, I, the, yeah, I'd. It'd be a month of Sundays trying to list all the funny guys I've had in the room, but uh, any uh, memorable pranks, I guess, would be a better way to put the question. Uh, uh, yeah, that, you're putting me on the spot, but oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's good. I, I don't mind at all. But no, I, um, I mean, I'd have to think about it, but um, uh, yeah, I can't really think of anything. Else. I, I, if I, you know, maybe I could. Uh, uh, send you guys a message if I think yeah, sure. Later, but, uh, yeah, sure. If you, if you think one, send me a message and I'll mention it uh, on the episode where your interview drops. Sure. If you don't mind, if if you don't mind, can I ask you a question or two? Absolutely. Uh, you played with a couple of brothers in Cornwall, uh, Spinks, I think. Yeah. Yep. How uh, how was that playing with brothers and having that on the team? Was it was it different than having other guys on or how was that uh yeah well so actually i played with a, a couple different sets of twins um on my marion team okay. uh, last year actually the davis or sorry one of the first names of davis the ross twins um so but to go back the sphinx they're playing uh they're what team they're on they're be playing with this year but the last couple of years during the swedish elite league um and they played in the East Coast, and they played four years at uh, at uh, Colgate. Um, so they're very good players. Uh, and their younger brother I played with, he's at Oswego in, in Division Three right now, Tanner Spink. Um, but so in terms of the dynamic of what they were like playing with, uh, you know, no different really than playing with uh, any other player, I guess. It just it seemed like at times there was two of them. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and these two were identical twins and and they were really they played really really well together and um yeah, but they they you know i don't think i would be stretched to say they bickered at each other a lot they they <laughs> they demanded the best out of each other uh which 
the best out of each other. Um, um, and they were amazing to watch. They, so that team that year, so their last, I was, their last year was when I was 16. Um, and that year we had uh, Mike Burkowski, who's in the AHL right now, uh, Kyle Bond, who played two or three years in the NHL, uh, the Sphinx, who I just mentioned where they went. Uh, we had like our team, if there's, there was a 23 man roster, let's say, 12, 13 of them went division one or higher, others OHL, others division three, whatever. Um, so it was then ranked one of the like number one, number two in the country the whole year. It was a pretty special team. Uh, we ended up losing in the finals to Nepean in Raiders. Um, but no, it was pretty neat to play with, with twins. It's, it's, uh, you get a vibe of the Sedines uh, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> You said uh, earlier that you were more of a 200-foot player and a playmaker. Was there any type of winger that you preferred to have on your sides? Was, was Do you like power forwards, snipers? I always wanted to play with people who, uh, like, who just knew how to move the puck. Um, I was uh, – I – was kind of a setup and could score and, and could score. Like, obviously that's whatever centerman wants to play with, I guess. Yeah. But, but I always really played well with guys who understood the game and, and can make that little three foot pass or two foot pass. Cause that's what my strength was. Um, okay. And, uh, and I was always someone who played well um, down low in the offensive zone. Um, I, I like to spin off guys, make no look passes and, and, uh, and do my work kind of down that in that end of the rink. And so, and I like playing. So I like playing with guys who, um, who would give me that opportunity would who would like to cycle and, and, and I could get to the net and score. And those are the type of guys I like to play with. Yeah. One more question, yeah. if you don't mind. Sure. How did you get into hockey overall? Like, was it your family watched or? Did, was it just something that you were interested in? Um, yeah, so uh, my, my dad played. Uh, not like he played junior B. I think he uh, his his primary sport was more football uh, and basketball. But he played like where growing up, where I'm I grew up, um, as well as most of Canada. You know, hockey's kind of the primary sport, and uh, yeah. and no, I just. You know, I was very fortunate growing up. I got to play basically every sport under the sun. Um, but my passion was hockey, yeah. So I, you know, started three, three, four years old there. And, um, and it was always my passion. Uh, so that's... Uh, Were you always a Suns fan or was it Toronto first? Because Ontario. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, actually. And uh, no, always Suns. Uh, my dad, my dad grew up because that's typical right that what your dad or what your parents cheered for yeah um, but so he grew up an Oilers fan he was a big Gretzky and there's no Ottawa right uh, came in in 92 or whatever um and and that's kind of typical of the Ottawa whole Ottawa area right because for 70 years there was there was no team so you were either Habs or Leafs or maybe Bruins or whoever <laughs> Um, and so the Sen, Sen's fan base is typically a younger fan base 
um, mm-hmm. people such as myself. Uh, but no, I don't know why. I, like a lot of my friends are either Habs or Leaf fans because we're very close to Montreal, where uh, we're only an hour to Montreal where I grew up. So, um, but no, I I think Ottawa feels more like my hometown team. Like even though it's the same distance away from Montreal, it, it just it's in Ontario. It's in my province. It seemed kind of like who I should. Yeah, I don't know. And probably they were on TV more or or what. I don't know. But uh, uh, I developed that. I understand you. Like I I grew up really close to Ottawa as well. I just grew up well other side. Basically, I was in the I was in Quebec, but close to Pembroke. And for us, it was the same thing. It was always Ottawa on TV. I just happened to go with the Habs because my family are all Habs fans. So. Mm. Kind of just followed their trend, but like in school, everybody was all about the Sens, and I just I remember like Ray Emery's run and all that stuff going on back yeah. in elementary school. Yeah, yeah. yeah when yeah, I was, no, in... oh, you can go ahead. No, no, please. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say I grew up uh, close to Toronto, so everybody's big Toronto fans. Uh, mm. So I, but when I was seven, I was just like, I'm smartening up. I'm gonna be a Bruins fan. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was pretty smart. It worked out uh, the last couple of playoff series <laughs> for you, but uh, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, uh, it was a pretty good era for me to grow up as a Sens fan. Um, like Ottawa, oh, we didn't do very well against the Leafs in the playoffs growing up, but uh, like they made the playoffs, I think, eleven straight years. Um, like President's Trophy, and I think oh two. Uh, or was it all two? Anyway, they and like made it to the Eastern Conference final and then um, final in 07, that incredible run. Valfitson and Heatley, the Spezza, the whatever they were nicknamed. It was the, that's right. So, uh, no, and then obviously the last number of years has been tough, but um, I mean, every team yeah. both drops ups and downs. It's just unfortunate that the owner of the team is kind of making it worse than it has to be. Yeah, and and the rinks out in the farmers field, and, and you can all. I mean, now they have a bunch of car dealerships next to them, so you know. You <laughs> yeah, can go yeah, watch, yeah. You can go watch a game and buy a car. <laughs> yeah, well, you're basically buying response, a car. I'm one of our buying it. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I won't say anything. There. <laughs> but no, it's uh, uh, so yeah. No, it uh, there's. Uh, you know, but I think it'll pick up. I, I'm I'm optimistic that with a young team and uh, some pretty exciting players, and and uh, and hopefully post COVID because that's obviously the other factor. Yeah, right now. Sure. But they have uh, a great cool, uh, group of prospects that are coming up. So forward, yeah. everything really like they really like the goalie prospects they have. So it's yeah, it, you know, if you talk or talk to you, I'm not gonna, but if you listen to any, uh, you know. Uh, top hockey uh, expert or whatever, they're all saying Ottawa has one of or the top, like, biggest pool of talent, young talent. So that's promising. Uh, how yeah. you play those cards is another. So we'll see. Well, thank you very much for coming on again. We appreciate it. And thank you for sharing all your uh, wisdom and insight on the Senators and the NHL stuff and about your career as a player. Um, Thank you again, Lawson, for coming on. We really appreciate your time. And yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, we, we really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It was Ladies really fun. Lawson yeah, McDonald. Take care. Is it McDonald or McDonald, just so I don't say it properly? Mac, McDonald. Mac, yes, okay. McDonald's. So...
just to correct myself, ladies and gentlemen, Lassen MacDonald. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, guys. And we're back. I hope you all enjoyed the interview. It was a great interview, a lot of great insight on that. And uh, a really good, important message to everybody um, that hockey is for indeed for everybody. Uh, we want to thank everybody for listening to the interview, and I hope you all enjoyed it. Now, for today's final segment, we're going to do another round of everybody's favorite game. Hockey Trivia with Liam. Ooh. <laughs> All right. You guys ready? Um, Owen? Owen. There he is. Owen? Sorry. Needed the refill. All right. Well, as we are just saying, we're starting hockey trivia with Liam. Uh, first off, we need to do an equipment test. So, uh, buzzer, make your buzzer, make your buzzer, make your buzzer noises. <laughs> Good. Beep. Good. And make sure this thing's working. It is. Good. All right. Love that sound. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bad feeling we're gonna hear it a lot. Question oh, one. Always. How many shorthanded goals did the Nashville Predators allow in 2013-2014 season? Eight, zero, two, or thirty-six? Oh, I'm gonna say two. No. <laughs> You're wrong. Eight. Wrong. Pick a number between one to ten. When you six. One. Paul, you get you get a third guess or second a guess. Third. A second guess. Zero thirty-six is what's left. Uh, thirty-six. Oh my god. We got it three times that round. The correct answer was in 2013-2014 season, the Predators set an NHL record that can never be broken. They have the fewest shorthanded goals allowed in the season of zero. They did not allow one shorthanded goal that year. That's impressive. What did Florida Panthers fans throw on the ice during the 95-96 season? Catfish, lobster, lobsters, octopuses, or octopi, if you want to use proper grammar. Or rats. Uh, Owen? Octopi. Wait. The Panthers. What team? Oh. Rats. Plastic rats. Come on, man. That was an easy one. That was a gimme. I, uh, I didn't pay attention to the team in the question. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, I was hit with an octopus in Detroit. It hurt. Can one of you keep score? Because I don't have my score counter. I can. I I don't got no pen or anything. Cool. It's uh, currently one one for Paul, zero for Owen. Grab my pen. This is the only thing I have right now. That's a disgusting picture. It's Daniel Paye. So a disgusting picture. Autographed. Are you ready to go there, Owen? Ready to go. Cool. In what round of the NHL entry draft did the Columbus Blue Jackets select Cam Atkinson? 
Third round, first round, fourth round, or sixth round? I believe Cam Atkinson was a third round pick. No. Paul? Six. Atkinson, known for his great speed, soft hands, and excellent shooting skills, was selected by the Blue Jackets in the sixth round, 157th overall of the 2008 NHL entry draft. Because of his height. Back in 08. I'm sure people weren't allowed in the league. Yep. Which player was suspended 25 games for a hit on Chicago's Marion Hosa during the 2012 Stanley Cup playoffs? Keith Yandel, Rafi Torres, Radislav Klesla, or Martin Hansel? Eh. Paul? Radislav Klesla. Damn. Rafi? Was it Rafi? It was Rafi Torres. Rafi Torres, a physical... Here's what it says on, on the website. Rafi Torres, a physical forechecking forward with offensive capabilities, was suspended five times for illegal hits to opponents' heads. He received the fourth longest suspension in the history of the NHL at the time for his hit to the head of Marion Hossa in Game 3 of the 2012 Western Conference quarterfinals while playing, playing for the Phoenix Coyotes. <clears throat> also, fun fact, he beat, the, he beat that record in the following year playing for Vancouver against Chicago again. <laughs> Third overall pick, Rafi Torres. Oh, Rafi. Which two Minnesota Wild players were signed to identical contracts in 2012? Miko Oh, you gotta oh. let him finish. <laughs> I could have done it halfway through the question. Right. <laughs> that's a that's a penalty for Paul. Owen gets to answer it because he. I don't he even didn't... need to hear it. Ryan Suter, Zach Parise. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. You, you just have to listen to the rules, man. You have to let me have to let me list all the options. Horrible rules. So here are the other options. If you're anybody who's curious, Miko Koivu and Pierre Marc Bouchard, Dana Heatley, and <laughs> Nicholas Bakstrom. Dana? Not, not, yeah, yeah, it's D A N A. The Divine Setaguchi and Matthew Cullen. Or the one you got correct, obviously. Who did the Ottawa Senators receive from the New York Islanders in exchange for Alexei Yashin? Bill Muckelt, all of these, Zidane Ochera, or Jason, Jason the Station Spezza? Eh. All. All of them. Hey. Jason the station. <laughs> that, that's, that's even better than Wayne the plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know who invents these nicknames. Oh, they're gold. I love it. <laughs> Jason the station Spencer. What a guy. Who's Bill Muckled? <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> Never heard of him. Ooh, Owen, you better get the next one right. Which New Jersey Devils coach told referee Don Koharski to have another donut? 
Jim Schofield, Brett Sutter, Larry Robinson, or Herb Brooks? It's got to be Larry Robinson. Nobody else has the balls. What were the <laughs> options? Uh, Jim Schofield, Brent Sutter, or Herb Brooks are the ones that are remaining. Uh, Brooks. No. All right, I know who it is. Who? Brent Sutter. Yeah. Oh. It was Jim Schofield or Seanfield or Schoenfield or whatever. Oh, my God. On May 6, 1988, after a 6-1 loss to Boston Bruins, the Devils coach Jim, Jim Seanfield confronted Kokarski in the runway. It leads to the dressing rooms in Meadowlands Arena during the argument. Kokarski fell down and accused the Schofield of pushing him. The coach's famous utterance minus the cursing was, you fell, you fat pig, have another donut. <laughs> <laughs> The NHL the decided this... losing to the Bruins. No, the NHL decided to suspend Shawfield <laughs> for one game, only to have the Devils win a court injunction allowing him to coach. The infuriated officials responded with a one-game strike. Sure, it was effective back then. <laughs> the referees went on strike. <laughs> <laughs> what was the nickname for San Jose Sharks line that featured Joe Pavelski, Kyle Wellroad, and Tori M- Mitchell? The pony line, the bomber line, the helicopter line, or the jet line? And Paul. The jet line. No. What was the second option? The bomber line. Hmm. See, I feel like I've heard these ref at least two of these referenced before. But I'm gonna go with the bomber line. I know what one it is now. What is it? It's the pony, isn't it? Oh, my God. Helicopter. The, hel- the helicopter line operated more like a helicopter than an airplane because it had no wings. All three players were career centermen. Ah. Which player holds the NHL single-season record for shooting percentage? Wayne the Plain Gretzky. Sergey Makarov, Craig Simpson, or Charlie the Bimmer Simmer? I gotta go with Wayne the Plane, my boy. <laughs> it is not Wayne the Plane. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, Bill, Bill Simmer. Who? Bill. Isn't that what it was? Bill? No, it's Charlie Bimmer Simmer. Oh, that one. Okay. Hey, it's correct. Paul's oh, kicking my ass. Charlie Bimmer Simmer, <laughs> shooting percentage of 32.75.81, was and remains the NHL record. The same year, Simmer set the LA Kings record with 10 game winning goals and accomplished one of hockey's most difficult feats, scoring 50 goals in 50 games. Simmer entered his 50th game with 46 goals and scored three times to finish just shy of the mark. And the last question. Which Anaheim Ducks goaltender went undrafted in the NHL entry draft? John the Bomb Gibson, Guy Herbert, Jonas the Silent Hiller, or Jean-Sébastien Grosjean. I believe Jonas Hiller was undrafted. That's correct. 
Now, what, what's the score? Four to three, Paul. Okay. Here is something I'll let Paul decide, or Paul decide. So I can give you guys one bonus question. So if, if he gets the bonus question, the points will be you lose, Owen loses all his points. So, and Owen and Paul says he has five, so it looks like he shut you out. But if you get, if when you get, if he gets it wrong, then he, he loses all his points. Or do you want to just leave it like this? Paul, your choice. Let's do the bonus question. All right, the bonus Make question. Make it interesting. Come on. What are we getting? What are we getting from boss question? Hmm. I'm not confident whatsoever. Here we go. Who was the first NHL player with more than 50 goals in a season? Phil Esposito, Guy Lafleur, Maurice Edishaw, or Bobby Hull? The Rocket. Gila Fleur. Or no, got I don't know. Philly. Was it Phil? Oh damn it. No, it was Bobby Hill. Oh what? Oh it's the first player to score more. Every time than... I hear Bobby Hill, for some reason I think the same time frame as Brett Hull. It's no, it's it's the it's more than 50 goals. Before that, everybody else had 50 goals. But he's the first uh, player to score more than 50. Morris was the first guy to hit 50 goals in the season. And Bobby okay. is the first guy to score more than 50. Mm. So, tricky, because tricky. None, of you got, none of you got the, the NHL uh, the bonus question correct, we'll have one more bonus. Which player once ripped off a fan's shoe and beat him with it. <laughs> oh, wait. I broke the rules. Damn it. <laughs> I think we both know the answer, so. Who is it? Mike Milbury. Oh, fucking Milbury. <laughs> but are you sure? Oh, was, I love that. Are you sure it wasn't Peter McNabb or... Uh, and Wayne the Plane, uh, a no. choice there. <laughs> the the answers were Peter McNabb, Mike Bilberry, Stan Bowman, or, uh, <laughs> or Mark Bergevin. The oh, Burger Van. <laughs> <laughs> the Burger Van beat, beat the fans with the shoe. Awesome boys. Oh, that was hey, when Mike was doing that, wasn't he? Didn't he have a B on his jersey? Yes, he did. You've got to be embarrassed. (laughs) I'm proud of that. At least he didn't take off his skate. At least it was the other guy's shoe. (laughs) Awesome, boys. That was a good interview. That was a good uh, episode this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, If you have any requests for any content, feel free to message us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, if you want to talk to me, your best luck is through Instagram. If you want to talk to Paul, your best luck is through Twitter. And if you want to talk to Owen, your best luck is through Tinder. That or Facebook. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm kidding about the Tinder thing. No, that just, works yeah. too. <laughs> Especially if you if uh, if you if you have a lot of hair. Owen likes them for all right. All right, that's enough. <laughs> he, he likes like he, he likes Chewbacca's. I'm gonna keep drinking. <laughs> all right, everybody, thank you very much for listening. You all have a wonderful week, and thanks for listening.